Now what? There's the question for this entire series. Now what? It's a, it's a question that uh, uh, we've been asking since we were small kids, sitting there and you're playing with your brother or your sister's favorite toy, that one toy that you're told not to touch, and it breaks. Now what? You find yourself riding your dirt bike, and you go down that big hill, and you hit that one jump that you've been scared of, and you stick the landing, and you put on the brakes and you think to yourself yeah now what you get asked to go to prom by the one boy you want to go to prom with and you think to yourself now what how's my hair where's he gonna take me to eat and are we gonna have fun and oh the butterflies now what or you get asked to prom by the one guy that you just want to be friends with how do I tell him I just I think you're a real nice, swell guy. Now what? You wreck your dad's car. You sit there forever waiting for him to come. Now what? You're late for curfew. Now what? I was in junior high, and it was during the era that Michael Jordan was at his height. He was the man. And for Christmas, my parents gave me a Michael Jordan t-shirt. And I don't remember anything else I got that Christmas, but I remember that t-shirt. Because I'm thinking to myself, oh, it will match my Air Jordans, because everyone had Air Jordans. I will walk in school, and I'll be the cool guy, because I got my Jordan shoes and my Jordan shirt on. I put it on Christmas Day. I was like, yes, this is it. And then somehow... I spilled red Kool-Aid all over it. Now, in this one story, there's going to be three now what's. This was the first now what. Oh, what am I going to do? I mean, red Kool-Aid, it stains everything. It never comes out. And I remember sitting there going, I got three options, three options, three options. First option is just to conf confess. Nope, can't do that. I can't go to mom and dad on Christmas morning and tell them, or Christmas afternoon and tell them that I just ruined the brand new shirt. I can't do that. The second option was never to wear it again. Hide the evidence. Well, my parents were smart, and they would figure out at some point that I wasn't wearing my brand new Michael Jordan t-shirt. And then the third option popped into my junior high brain. You see, I, I knew that my mom was able to do miracles making a dingy, dirty, white t-shirt and underwear really white again. She did some magic and they'd go in the washer nasty and come out bright white. So I thought to myself, I can do that. If mom can do that, I can do that. So I took my brand new Michael Jordan t-shirt and I went downstairs to the laundry room and I, I spread it out there on the table and I stood there and I stared at the shelf of all the different bottles of stuff. And all of a sudden my lo eyes locked in on it. Bleach. That's it. It makes things whiter. That's the miracle. That's the magical formula. So I reached up there. I grabbed that bottle of bleach. I unscrewed that lid. And with precision, I poured the bleach. On. It went away. 
the spot magically just evaporated. And I'm like, yes, I've done it. They'll never know. I fixed the problem. For some of you, you're already several steps ahead of me on this story. I take this t-shirt, I throw it in the laundry hamper, I go upstairs, and I go on with my day. I've solved it. The stain's gone. A few days later, I, I walk in my bedroom, and all my shirts are sitting there, all nicely enfolded, ready for me to put them away. And so as I was putting all my clothes away, I grabbed my Michael Jordan t-shirt, and I held it up thinking, like, I got, got away with something, and all of a sudden, here's the number two. Now what? The white t-shirt was kind of discolored a little bit, a lot. It was like this yellowish, brownish kind of look. And not only on the front where the red stain was, but also on the back. See, the bleach went through, and I thought to myself, oh, now what? But at least it wasn't bright red. So I came up with this plan. Well, I'll still wear the shirt because I can't hide the shirt. I'll wear the shirt, and every time I talk with my parents and they're looking at me, I'll just kind of put my hands in front of the, the stains. They'll never know. So every time I wore the shirt, I did that. I'm like, hey, they just can't see it, like my, my hands. But here's what I didn't know, and here's what my junior high brain didn't know, that straight bleach and cotton, they don't like each other. Well, actually, the bleach really likes the cotton. And over the next few months, this little hole started to form right in my shirt and in the back of my shirt. And every time it went through the laundry cycle, that little hole got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then also one day I'm wearing the shirt. My mom said to me, hey, Chris, what happened to your shirt? And without missing a step, I said, mom, it's defective. I don't know. I don't know. It's a defective shirt. Years later, I think I was in college when I finally confessed and she said to me, she goes, I knew you did something, but I just couldn't imagine what you could have done to a t-shirt. She goes, you used straight bleach? Didn't you know that it would, I'm like, mom, I was a junior high boy. No, I didn't know, but it worked <laughs> for a few years. Now what? We all have now what moments. And the thing is, is as kids, we look back at those now what moments and they seem so small now as adults. And our adult now what moments seem so big, don't they? There's some exciting now what moments that we face. Maybe for you, it's that, that moment where you found out that you were pregnant and it wasn't an oops, because that's a different now what moment. And you're like, yes! And you start thinking about, hey, boy, girl, no life yet. But you, you have these moments now what moment? You get that position finally that you worked for. You close that deal that you've been working for. Or you launch that company that you've been working for. And you have these now what moments where you find yourself going, yeah, does it get any better? This is great. But there's so many times where now what is surrounded, not with joy and excitement and forward thinking. We deal with these now what moments that are filled with the unknown, questions, concern. And we find ourselves just kind of kind of sitting back and just thinking to ourselves, now what? You know, if you if you have kids, think back to your very first kid. Because kid number two and three and four and on and forth, it gets different. But your very first kid, think about your very first kid that 
when you brought him or her home and you sat there and she's so cute, but her lungs are so loud and she screams all night long. Have you had that now? What moment you just hold her and sing to her and rock her and jog in place with her and go for a drive in the car. You do everything you can and she just screams. Those now what moments where your toddler imposes his will to do whatever he wants to do in the middle of the mall. You try to explain to toddler that he can't do whatever he wants to do in the middle of the mall, and then he gets back at you because he starts screaming at you. And you pick toddler up, and you do the walk of shame out of the mall. <laughs> right? Now what? Now what moments? When your mother or father goes in for those medical tests, and you get the phone call, and the answer is this, well, the doctors really don't know what's going on. What do you mean? They're experts. They ran tests, really expensive tests. Well, they don't know. They're going to run more tests. More? So they run more tests. And they come back. They're still not sure. They're still not sure. Now what? And that sometimes these now what moments are filled with uncertainty and confusion and questions. They just intensify and they get to the point where you just become angry. And you find yourself screaming, now what? Whether out loud or internally. Now what? If your kids have been home over break for an extended period of time, and they could be the best kids ever, but after so much time they can only play together so much and they come running down or up the stairs screaming, Mommy, Daddy, and you just flip around and say, Now what? And you can't send them outside. It's too cold. Maybe it's that employee that knocks on your door. You know that employee that every time they knock on the door and every time you tell them to come in, they say something like, I'm sorry to tell you, we have a problem, and we really means they messed up again. And you're like, now what? Those moments where you just feel like, heck, can anything worse happen this year? For some of you, you're so excited about 2013 right now because it's a new year. You don't think 2012 could have gone any worse, and now it's 2013. You're like, ah, oh, at least it's a new year. Maybe it could go better than last year. And after you get through that anger cycle of now what? When all the emotions have run out, when you have nothing left inside of you to give, you find yourself just sitting there, emotionless, thinking to yourself, now what? Uh, doesn't matter what comes my way. It can't get any worse than now. Now what is filled with these peaks and valleys, moments where you feel like life can't get any better and you look forward thinking to yourself, wow, I've done it, I've made it, I've accomplished it, life is great. And moments where you feel like it can't get any worse. And somewhere in between the, the peaks and the valleys, we just kind of bounce in between those. 
for me, 2013, it's an interesting year for me. I, I kind of phrase my life in decades. I just kind of look through my decades of my life. And uh, for me, uh, uh, 2013 is, is uh, bringing a close of a decade and starting a new one. I turned 40 in July. And uh, wow, that's old. I never thought I would say that. And uh, I, I have gray hair. My wife likes to point out my gray hairs. I'm like, stop that. But I think about my 30s. And over the next six months, I'm going to be thinking about this decade coming to a close. And in my 30s, I had some of the most amazing pinnacle moments of life. But also, in my 30s, I probably had the lowest moment of my life. And so as I reflect past on this decade, it's what I'm thinking about. All these now what moments. And then I started thinking to myself, what will the 40s bring? What pinnacle moments am I personally going to experience, my family is going to experience, uh, my wife and I are going to experience, with my kids going to experience, at, at, at Renaissance, what am I going to experience? What are these pinnacle moments? But I also know not because I'm a pessimist, but we all get this. Life has great moments and difficult moments. And I start thinking about, well, I have a low like I did in my 30s. How will that feel? How will I navigate through that? 2013 for you. Now what? You see, it's probably one of the most important questions you can ask for yourself right now. Now what? 2012 is gone. Maybe you're ending a decade like me. Maybe you're beginning a decade. Maybe you're halfway through. But one of the most important questions you could ask yourself is now what? Because we know how fast time goes. Before you know it, uh, well, it'll be Christmas next year. We're just behind stage right before we came out. And we're talking about Easter planning. My like, Easter yeah, it's going to be here, March 31st. So this year, as you look forward, now what? And here's the promise that the Bible gives us. And this promise is going to guide this entire series. But my prayer for all of you is that this promise will guide your entire 2013. That this will be a verse that you memorize, that this will be a verse that you wake up to and you think about and you say either internally or out loud. It'll be that verse that when you hit those peak moments, you say, and when you're at the very, very bottom of the valley, you say over and over and over again. And here's the promise. It's found in Ephesians. It says this. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Think about that thought. To him who can do immeasurably more. More. We all want more from life, don't we? We're kind of, uh, uh, it's in our DNA. I'm sure for almost everyone, if not everyone in this room, you always think in terms of, how can I do more? Work, more, family, more, marriage, more, fitness, more, except for eating, less. 
but we want more out of this life. And God's promise is that he's going to do immeasurably beyond expectation. It's actually this kind of thought that he'll give you more and excess of more and excess of more, and you're going to have so much more that you're not going to be sure what to do with it all. Wouldn't we want a life like that? For some of you, that's a hard promise to get your arms around because maybe you're on one pinnacle where you're like, Chris, really, I, I make more money than I ever know what to do with. I love my job. My family's great. My marriage's great. I, I, I really have more in excess of more. And I want you to know that God can give you more. For some of you, you're in that valley. And you're, you're like, yeah, I'd take anything right now. Anything is better than what I have. Anything in my marriage is better. Anything within my family is better. Anything within my job or lack thereof is better. And God's saying, hey, I will give you immeasurably more. But here's the one catch. And it's important because this is a thought. This is part of the promise that if you allow it to sink deep within you, can change your life. But it's going to be difficult. I'm, I'm just going to give the warning there. It's going to be extremely difficult. And I'll get to why in a minute. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, his power, What we all like to do, we like to change this word his, and we like to put in that word our or my. According to my power, I, I want more, then I will work harder. If I want more, I can do something about it. You see, we were all probably raised with this thought being said to us by a coach, a teacher, a parent, the combination of all of them, just work harder and you can accomplish anything. Give your best and you can overcome any obstacles. Give all of yourself and you can become whatever you want. Now those are great, great motivating statements. And it's not a bad thing. I tell my girls all the time, before their soccer games or karate or voice or whatever they're doing, give your best. And it's the number one question I ask them after they're done. It's not how many goals did you score. It's did you do your best? That's what I expect out of you. But now we're adults. And what we do is this. We think, well, if I work hard enough, if I'm smart enough. And we start relying on ourselves. We, we rely on our power, right? And we rely on our competencies. And we rely on our intellect. And we rely on our talent. And God's saying, hey, you want immeasurably more in this life? 
more than you've ever dreamt of? More in excess? Don't rely on your power and your competencies and your intellect and your talents. Rely on Him. Rely on Him. His power. His power, when you start living your life realizing that God's power and His wisdom and what He wants to do in your life and through your life, what it does is it forces your head off of yourself and up at Him. It's a powerful step in your life. For some of you, You've taken that step before where you've just realized God's ways and his plans and his purpose, even though at moments it seems so absurd, but it always works out best. For some of you, you keep hitting the valleys because you're trying to do it on your own and you think your way is the best way. And it's not working out. And if you work harder and longer and more hours, you might achieve something that you're trying to reach for. And God's saying, you don't need to do that. You need to rely on Him. Because it goes on to say that that is at work within us. That is at work within us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through parts of Ephesians 3 and 4. And God's going to kind of roll out in front of us this amazing pathway to walk down. But it starts here. It starts with relying on His power. In Jeremiah chapter 10, Jeremiah writes these words. He says, but God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. My question for you tonight is, have you limited God's power? Or maybe a better question, how have you limited God's power in your life? Maybe another question for you. Do you realize that God wants more for you? He wants more for you. He's a God that will exceed your expectations. He's a God that truly desires for you to kind of look at life and experience life to its fullest. That even in the difficult moments of life, God wants you to know that he is walking with you and guiding you. And through those difficult moments, who you can become through his power is immeasurably more than you could ever ask for or imagine. You see, when we start relying on God's power, And when we start inviting God into our lives, 
And when we start inviting God to help orchestrate our lives, and when we realize that God's power and his competencies is in his intellect and his talents are so much greater than ours, what we ask and can imagine becomes so small because we realize who God is in our lives. I want you to know that more is imaginable for you. It really is. If you're at the peak, more is imaginable. If you're at the valley, more is imaginable with God's power. I want you to know that more is reachable with his power. That more is achievable with his power. And that more is attainable because God is able. And that's the promise. Wherever you find yourself, in life, that more is attainable because God is able. If your marriage is just tense, I want you to know that more is attainable because God is able. And through his power, your marriage can be saved. And if you're sitting there as a couple thinking to yourselves, Our marriage has never been better. I want you to know that more is attainable because God is able. If you find yourself sitting there, no end job, and maybe it's the best job you've ever thought you could have, but you hate your job. The thought of getting up on, on Monday morning and going to work, just me talking about that, You have like sweat coming down your back and a tick. I want you to know that there is more for you because God is able. And maybe you find yourself sitting in a job. It's your dream job. You can't believe that you get paid to do what you do. I want you to know that more is attainable because God is able. Whatever the scenario for your life, whatever you find yourself going through, whatever your now what moment is, God's promise is more attainable because he's able. So as we go through now what over the next several weeks, my prayer is this. that you hold this verse in Ephesians chapter 3 as maybe a cornerstone, a foundational piece, not only for this series, but for your 2013. That your prayer starts being, God, I know your promise is to do immeasurably more 
than whatever, whatever I have asked or imagined. And God, understand, it's through your power, not my power. It's through your wisdom, not my wisdom. And I'm going to follow you. You see, if that becomes your prayer, I'm not saying that 2013 is going to be all smooth sailing. I'm not saying you're not going to have valley moments. What I'm saying is this. As you hit those different peaks and valleys, through God's power, through his power, you will receive more than you could ever imagine and ever ask for. Let me pray for all of you tonight. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I'm so excited about Saturday night as just another option, another tool to help people grow in their faith with you, to help people invite their everyones to experience church in just a different way. For us to continue just to be a light to this valley. Lord, I pray for everyone here tonight. I'm not sure what their now what's are, and they probably have many. But Lord, I pray that they will rest on your promise. That because of your power, you can do immeasurably more than all that we have asked for or imagined. I pray that's a source of hope. In your name I pray, amen. Again, thanks for coming to our first Saturday night. Way to go. Have a great evening. God bless.